Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Long Legs. Welcome to You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. Quick announcement. I know I mentioned I might have a new podcast coming out. And you know what? Here's the pre-info. Um, I am actually recording it on Clubhouse. It's just an experimental thing. I want to see how it goes. But um, sort of inspired by the good confessions. It's called Congratulations. And um, I'm putting them together before I release them officially on like more official podcast platforms. But right now you can listen to it Thursday at 1 p.m. on my Clubhouse app. If you have it, if you need an invite, message me. I have a lot. Um, unfortunately, it's only on iPhone right now. But I basically take a 15-minute break every week to hype up a friend. And we just share good news. Only good news, you know, no disclaimers, no bad news, just good news, just positivity hour. And then we invite the audience to join in at the end and share their good news and we hype you up. Um, very, very simple. Um, every month I have a new guest, so I sort of like to track them over the month. Um, this month I have Jackie Sneal, who, if you remember, is one of the first podcast guests on You Can Tell Me Anything. And we did two, so we have two more. So join us tomorrow, that's Thursday, 1 p.m. at Clubhouse. Uh, and then upcoming guests, I have Michael Swaim and Sammy Junio, um, the OG producer and creator of this pod. So that's going to be really fun. Um, the dates may, ch the day of the week may change depending on the guest availability, but you can see all the most updated schedules on my Clubhouse app profile. And if you're confused at all, just message me on Discord. Um, and I still have my OnlyFans. I'm, I'm having more fun with it. I put tarot reading out there. So if you guys like that kind of stuff, I mean, I cannot pro promise you I'm actually psychic, but it, it was fun to do, you know, just to read pictures and just say what came to me intuitively. Uh, but of course, please don't uh, do anything crazy because of what I say. Please, I am not a real psychic or a medical professional. I'm just a comedian having fun. So feel free to have fun with me. Um, that being said, I have been playing around with OnlyFans and I think I found a good rhythm. Um, I originally, people were telling me they wanted to see live streams. I've done three or four now and you know what? Your attendance does not tell me that you want to be there, which is fine. Um, I enjoy making the videos. So I'm probably going to put the live streams on hold <laughs> unless there's a huge clamoring for them. Um, but I will continue to put out videos. I'm, I usually aim for two to three post a week um, and every month you can expect six to 10 sort of like produced pieces and it's only 525 a month so it's a steal honestly it's you're stealing from me please no um, I have fun it's it's my little playground because we can't have open mic so I'm, I've been putting really experimental things on there playing around and I really um, am beginning to really love the community there and not to mention if you message me I will see it most likely because I check that every day um yeah what else oh huge news <laughs> i guess i don't know if it's huge but i teased this but i recorded a concert album which is a term i made up because i don't want to say i recorded an album but i recorded an hour of comedy from my new year's eve show every joke i wrote in 2020 and i will be releasing that on all the platforms if all goes well um but yeah i basically uh am sending all that out to distribution this week self-publishing it it's called we're still doing this. It will be out on Apple, Spotify, all that. Um, I'll keep you guys updated, of course. If you are not already on my mailing list, you can sign up at TeresaLeeComedy.com, and I'll definitely send that link out when it goes out. Um, but if you are a listener of the podcast and a confidant, um, I will uh, also be selling direct downloads on my website. I have to figure that out, but that would be the best way. I think I can then give you a discount, and also more of it goes to me instead of going to Apple and Spotify and all that. But of course, if you don't have the funds, stream it for free and just like tell your friends because really it's just kind of a way for me to 
have fun and connect with you guys now that I can't tour. Um, and it's every joke I wrote in 2020. It's an hour long album. It's uh, recorded on Zoom, but I edited it. It's fully, you know, uh, an hour of comedy. Um, but yes, it will sound like very different from like a live theater performance because you won't hear like a huge crowd. But I, I think it's fun and I can't wait to share it with you guys. That will be coming out um, the beginning of April. So look out for that. And that's pretty much it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I talked to my good friend from way back in the day of UCB. I mean, like we really like he was my improv coach is what I mean when I started comedy before stand up. So it was really fun to talk to him and um, get to know more of his serious side. Um, enjoy this episode with Alan Starzinski. You can tell her, you can tell her anything. She's a real It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. This is You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. I'm very excited for my guest today. Uh, old friend all the way from New York City. He used to coach me in improv. Uh, he's done so many things. He's but new faces just for laughs. I remember watching your one one man show, Guys You Love to Hate, back in the day. And now I feel like you're like on every commercial I've ever seen. Give it up for Alan Starzinski. Hello. Hello. And you Hello. have a new Clubhouse show right now uh, for those exclusive uh, members of Clubhouse called Comedy about mm -hmm. sex and cum. Can you explain it again? Sorry. <laughs> it's a comedy sex advice show. It's okay. every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Gotcha. I love it. I, I love a good sex pun. Um, well, Alan, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me <laughs> i want to start with a good confession because i um like to do that just to have like a little positive note to start on so alan is there something good you want to you want to confess is there something good that i want to confess just like a positive uh, thing humble brag yeah yeah anything. oh i'm obsessed with <laughs> those like you know those meal kits oh like, they're the... like here's all the ingredients uh... like like Blue Apron? Yeah. Ooh. Like those things. I, I've not used Blue Apron yet because they're pricier. Gotcha. But it's got me into cooking and I really like it. What have you been making? Anything like cool, like highlights? Like you're like, oh, I didn't think I would make that. But then, you know, like sometimes things sound hard and then you do it and you're like, I did that. Um, You know what? I, there's so many different things. Gotcha. Like I have the thing that I have. Uh, coming up is like a chicken katsu Ooh, with garlic good. rice and a cucumber salad, which I'm pretty excited to make. That sounds really good. Um, I made a truffle Whoa. penne, uh, a truffle Alfredo penne, and it was amazing. It was so awesome. good. I've never, yeah, I've never gotten into the subscription boxes. I've done them with friends before, but I, cooking has always been like a weird love-hate thing. Like when I... I enjoy cooking for friends. When I cook for myself, it's a whole different thing. Like I do it quickly. I blandly, like not because I like bland foods, but because I like to save time. I'm literally just like, mm -hmm. where can I shave time off? Well, I'll eat something bland and I know it's bland, but it's easy. And then when I cook for friends, I'm like, all right, I got to prep it. I, like, I get even like centerpieces sometimes if I'm having friends over. I mean, RIP having friends over, but um back in the day, <laughs> it's like, it's a whole different part of my brain that I use when I'm like, 
it, it go, I go into host party mode and when I cook for myself, I go into like, how can I do this the quickest possible way and not suffer? <laughs> well, I think like one of the big tricks is to cook for multiple meals. Ah, yeah. Smart. Because that's what the thing is, is like they give you, it's two meals. You're cooking for two every time you do it. So mm -hmm. even if you don't have somebody to share with, it's like your lunch the next day or your dinner the next day or your dinner that night if yeah. you're making it at lunch, you know. Smart. Oh, God, cool. Now you're making me hungry and I'm like going to do groceries today, which is the kind of thing whenever I do groceries hungry, I'm always like, I usually buy the same thing all the time, but I feel like every once in a while I'm like, maybe I'll try this new vegetable. And then it sits in my fridge because I don't know what to do with it. So this time well, I'm like, big... maybe I'll get a re recipe. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the cool thing with those boxes that they just give you enough ingredients mm -hmm. for that thing. So you're not like buying a shitload of green onions that you're going to use yeah. for one thing. Gotcha. And that does happen a lot. Green onions come in bulk. Um, they're pretty cheap. Green onions come too in too many for whatever yeah. you need them for. Truly. That like yeah, a lot of the Chinese vegetables are like that. Like I like bok choy, anything when I get it at Ranch ninety nine, I'm like, I want this, but I want like a little bit of it. And it's like a huge head of lettuce. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I feel like someone should sponsor me. You guys, blue apron or whatever out there, look, sponsor me. I'm already giving you free advertising. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um alan this is um a podcast kind of based on like i started going to therapy late in life and i really love it because just i mean you know me but i like to talk about myself but also it feels good to have like people to connect with and talk to so that's sort of where the inspiration came from and also a way to talk mm -hmm. to my funny friends so i like to ask like everybody like what's your sort of experience with therapy and and or I guess if you don't go to therapy, like what do you do to sort of like do you have a confidant or talk through sort of like emotions and how do you process, you know, your day to day mental health? So my first brush with therapy was when I was a kid, mm. I went to a therapist because I didn't have friends. And I was like, mom, I want to go to a therapist. But I don't have any friends. How did you find out yeah. about, um, was it something that you saw on TV? Film and TV. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Oh, cool. How um, did she respond? But it, uh, she was like, okay. But because <laughs> I was very medicated as a kid, mm. I was on Ritalin until mm. about from like kindergarten to eighth grade. Gotcha. So... I was either super rambunctious mm -hmm. or kind of muted, hmm. you know, um, when I, like there's, there's like cloud of oh. kind of like fuzzy memory when up during that time. And I do not know how it affected me in the long term, but oh, gotcha. it, you know, it, it's what you think is the best at the time. Like mm -hmm. my, I, I was so hyper, so mm -hmm. hyperactive. It was, it was wild. Um, I think that's like a pretty, it's interesting because I have ADHD and as an, I wasn't diagnosed as an adult. So it's, I have a totally different mm -hmm. experience. A lot of, you know, a lot of people, uh, it's pretty common to have had a diagnosis as a kid. So I've talked to people with experiences like that. And it, it seems like it's, I think what's so different is your brain's just growing really fast as a child. So even if at the time it was diagnosed, like who knows, you know, if it was the right thing, it just, it's so hard to get the dosage right because you're literally growing like every day. So that's 
that's interesting I, to, um, that so many kids get diagnosed and as an adult, it's so much harder when I feel since I got my diagnosis as an adult, it's been easier for me to manage, but I, I don't think it's very common for like people assume if you've made it this long, like you're fine, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I think a little detrimental to a lot of people who may have, uh, a, a much easier way out as an adult to like treat things, you know? Yeah. I mean, it. I I, I kind of don't think I don't I, I don't think kids really should mm. be on those on that. I but that's because for me in particular, I think that if I had found something that mm. I really latched on to, the problem was like I would do, I would like get signed up for karate or get signed up for soccer mm-hmm. and it just couldn't keep my attention yeah i would like go off and do something else or even boy scouts couldn't keep my attention do you remember and, i mean i don't know how much you remember but do you remember if it was like you weren't connecting to the people in it and that kind of lost your interest or were you just genuinely like very easily just like lost your flame for things unless i got like attention mm. I was like, what's that? Gotcha. And then if I saw somebody else getting attention, I was like, I mean, it's not <laughs> dissimilar to how I am now, but, uh, but like, Hey, either I'm getting the attention or I'm walking or I'm walking away. Uh, a so thing you that were would clear about what you wanted in a way that the adults didn't see. Like yeah. in a way you were very consistent. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so but, you, you went to therapy or your mom took you after you asked? Yeah. And it's like, so here's the interesting thing about it mm-hmm. is that, uh, I was on it and I, and I like had friends, but it also kind of made me, I don't want to say like sociopathic, but it made uh-huh. me kind of, it like kind of took some emotions away from me when I was on it gotcha. uh, cause I was like more focused, but it yeah. was like, huh, here's this thing. I, mm. I really knew how to, uh, insult somebody in a, <laughs> to a place that they were like, Whoa. <laughs> um, were you a bully? No, 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 no. Um, at least I don't think so. I was bullied by like neighborhood mm. kids, but that's because I, like they would, you know, make fun of somebody and then mm-hmm. I would hit, hit them back or I would just be annoying. Uh-huh. And by hit them back, but I mean uh-huh. like insult them back or like, like up for, be yeah, kind of annoying. People. Um, and I noticed from the summer of eighth grade or seventh grade into eighth grade. Mm-hmm that I wasn't on the Ritalin over the summer at a summer camp. Mm-hmm. On your own accord? I, or did, uh, yeah, the, she was like, well, we're not going to do it. I was like, okay. okay. And then I had, I was way more social. I had way more friends. Mm-hmm. It was like a lot easier for me to connect with people and stuff. So then I told my mom, I was like, I'm not going to take this anymore. And she was like, mm-hmm. all right. Um, 
And then I stopped and it was night and day. Like maybe my grades definitely hurt. Mm. I I won't deny that, but like that's also a fallacy that it's so directly correlated to grades. I mean, yes, of course your focus and attention will affect it, but that's one of the reasons I think some kids don't get diagnosed. Like I got good grades and I was always struggling with focus, but because of that, I never was flagged for attention deficit. But when I look back, it's like all the signs were there, but it just grades wise, I was doing fine. I just put in a lot of extra effort and it was hard. If that makes sense. Like, I think it could have been, I could, it just, yeah, I think that we're on this weird binary scale where we're like, this is the shortcut sign. And then if we don't see the sign, then it's not it. And you're like, but it's not actually about smartness. It's about focus and attention and like dopamine levels. Truly. That's really what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, did the therapy help? Were you able to parse out how you were feeling as at at that young? It sounds like you were very self-aware. Yeah. Um, it like kind of helped. It was also around the time when my parent parents got divorced or getting like divorced. Mm. There's also a lot of sibling, like rivalry between me and my sister, um, which was bad. Like, Hmm. Bad. What's the age gap? A year and a half. Okay. So it was like kind of vying for attention and uh, yeah. But there was also like a a cruelty that I look back on and I'm really disgusted with. But also like Hmm. a lot of my mentality as a kid, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? Hmm. What little monsters? I was like... (sighs) I don't know if you feel this way. Do you like look back and go, I was such a little selfish shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do it. Well, I feel like I do this constantly because I write in my, I write in my diary less now as an adult and I'm mostly my iPhone notes, but I was constantly like writing stuff down and some of it's through ADHD. Some of it I think was trauma response, but um, a lot of it was me trying to figure out what I could do better to improve my situation. So yeah, hundred percent. That was a big part of growing up was sort of like looking for my own flaws in order to like achieve like a false, you know, pretense of perfection. And because there's more control, you know, it's easier to control yourself than others. So it's easier to say like, oh, I'm shitty or I'm this way, which is not to say I wasn't shitty, but I think I may have been on the extreme end of overcompensating. So, mm-hmm. um, so like, yes, I for sure was a little shit just like everyone, but I think I overcompensated to a point where it was like, okay, you're now just being annoyingly self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. How do you feel I mean, as I'll... an adult now, what you're like sort of grown up and have your own, <laughs> like as a child, I think therapy is always, it's tricky because I think not only are you developing, but also so many people go into it not voluntarily. And that's why it's interesting. You asked to go like, did, uh, did, that match up to your expectations, like as an adult having gone to therapy or was it very different when you were child going? Um, I, I, uh, it, it was different, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's also different issues that you're dealing with. Yeah. Like you said, as a child, it's all this development and like, mm-hmm what is the world? What are things? Mm-hmm. And as an adult, you kind of have a little bit more of a idea of what they are. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, 
I feel like I'm pretty self-aware mm-hmm. with who I am and how others feel about me and uh, react to me. But but how do you feel about a, yourself? I think so much of childhood is about reacting based on other people's reaction and a lot of adulthood is about realizing that other people don't matter as much as how you see yourself. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I like myself. I think that there are aspects about me that I, that I, I am always trying to improve. Mm -hmm. And there are things that, I mean, this is also going to go a bit into what I'm going to talk about. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It's a little appetizer. (laughs) Yeah. With, to just move away from that because we're going to yeah, yeah. get to it. I want to talk about like therapy as an adult mm-hmm. and some of the experiences that I've had. And I don't know if you've, uh, I started going oh, to therapy. Again okay. In, I think I know what, yeah. yes. Okay. Wow. Yes. I'd be comfortable. I sharing, started going in New sure, York because yeah. uh, it was, it was free because I had, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm poor and have good and had the free person insurance. Mm-hmm. And then I also had that out here and I started going to a therapist who uh, who I had to stop going to because she drunk DM'd me uh, and kind of confessed that she, like, loved me. It I was saw very... I remember seeing this on social media. I forgot about it until you just said that. And that is yeah. so inappropriate. I'm sorry you went through that. And I imagine that's really, even if you know that's not the way things should be, like, it does affect the way you view the experience because it's, like, you know, she did that and that's going to, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, if anything, it was just like a massive inconvenience though. Cause it's like, <laughs> ugh, I've already told you all my shit. Uh, uh, but then it's, but then also like, I have, I have issues with my ego already. You know this, mm-hmm. what are you doing feeding that? <laughs> like, But it sounds like, like you, so a, you cut it off. Like how, I mean, did she apologize? Like how, how did like, that, oh, it seems like she crossed a huge boundary and then she and she just d- doubled down or did she was she like oh shit i really fucked up oh i ghosted her yeah and she didn't i apo- could oh, wow <laughs> she didn't follow up well think about it no you of course from your end jeopardized. you've done nothing wrong but from her end, i'm like how i hope she's fixing her habits as this in this profession <laughs> like that really yeah feels... i mean uh, she's I can't, I can't, um, I can't ruin somebody's career, Mm. especially somebody who's like a mom. Mm -hmm. This person was a mom. So I'm not going to explode her life for like a horny mistake she made. Um, well, that that's not you know? nice of you to say it that way. I think the other the other way sometimes I frame things like because I also feel like for me it's like I don't like the idea of like justice or revenge in your own hands. But if it's like oh there's if if there you, you know there was irreparable harm or something like it is your right to seek um, that. But it in I understand sure. what you mean about like because in in the long run most of the time when people have habits like that they are pretty self destructive as you can infer so even if you aren't the one to report her like she will ultimately need to 
fix that or it will blow up in our face. Um, and so knowing that about people, it tends to be like, okay, like I don't want to spend time to like make this my problem. I'm going to do my best to set my boundary and be safe. And then, you know, and then you move on and continue being safe and hoping that she figures it out. But that, yeah, I think that people learn on their own time if, if not by others, um, you know. Well, I also can't, like, I'm, I'm also an extremely flirty person. Mm -hmm. So there's part of me that's like, I didn't not welcome this and, and well, you're, see, there's no reason, like the relationship is clear when you go into that and you're absolutely right. Yeah. And if, I mean, like, let's say like, let's go super like hypothetical in the event, right? Cause you hear that people fall in love and whatever and get married. Okay. If it was one of those situations, which I still feel like, I don't know, cause it still feels like the dynamic already is that doesn't feel appropriate, but let's say it was one of those like one in a lifetime. And in that case, the responsible thing to do would have been for her to stop that relationship before like if there truly was this mutual flirtation that was oh, like, I wasn't like, saying it was mutual no no I know I'm just I, saying like the, yeah. to try to ease the um because that feeling of like what did I do what could I have done I think a hundred percent no matter how much you flirted with her or whatever it's not any of your responsibility because that is the you went in seeking your ter- the confidence yeah. of a therapist and nothing else and if she had any other idea she could have set her boundary and say hey I feel that you are doing this and then you could have clarified together but there's it doesn't sound like she did that so I would not blame yourself at all yeah I mean she was also trashed and it was like DM like I I know that I'm justifying this and it is wrong it's totally wrong but I am kind of giving her a mulligan on this one (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, mm. and she did, she like helped me through a really rough time with a really rough time with this like abusive woman that I had something with. But good behavior does not um, negate bad behavior. I'm not, I mean, I know you know this, but it's, it's sure. interesting because I yeah. think I've had these similar, I, the only reason I'm break, breaking it apart so much is I've had similar thought sequences in my own head before you know and and I I don't know if this is true for you but for me sometimes when I'm in those situations I'll almost tell myself like it's actually easier for me to think like I can handle it's not that bad and here's what I'll do to walk away because the other option like the world gives us this binary right the other option is to be like something horrible happened and I now have to feel like a victim and I also don't want that and I do think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle where it's like I can acknowledge that like it was a bad thing whether it affected me and you know like maybe it's lucky that it didn't affect you that much but that doesn't matter because she was the one that did something and you know it could you could have reacted totally differently and then you can also be I like to say like to because when I'm like I feel like I don't want to be a victim and powerless like a survivor or a warrior like you left a battle that didn't go your way and then you're like on to the next and that helps me sometimes get through that instead of being like they're fine because I think you can be fine, but they don't have to be fine for you to be fine, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I also look at it as like, what a fun parting gift. Like, I've been with her for a year of 
I have a fucking great story now. Oh, gosh. And in my mind, mm-hmm. I think that uh, it is a goal to leave our life with as many stories as we possibly can. And, you know, I got <laughs> one out of that, you know. Yeah, so, I guess I could have been. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank you, for, thank you for sharing that. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get your confession. All right. And we're back. <laughs> Alan, the time has come. Oh, I would no. like to know, is there anything you would like to tell me? Um, yeah. I don't necessarily know if i'm real Ooh. oh now you're speaking my language <laughs> i, I Wait, knew okay it. okay I, I elaborate um, are we talking physically real are we talking you think everything's um, in your head or are we thinking like simulation situation like no i'm not talking deep. simulation i'm talking about like <clears throat> what makes up me mm. per like in like personality wise and i guess that might just be what a personality is is that you've taken bits and pieces that you've liked from things Uh and you've allowed Hmm. those to kind of build who you are it's something that i noticed like when i would watch a movie or a tv show or read a book or something Mm -hmm. when i was a kid i would take on attributes of characters Mm -hmm. that I admired and that I like really loved or even friends. I had a friend in high school that I started talking like because I really liked this cadence Mm. and well, okay, yeah. as a kid, okay, this is interesting because I what, think what you're describing um, and I not, might not be 100% correct because I'm not, you know, again, I'm a comedian and this is me saying thoughts. So please, if, if this sounds like it's wrong. It's probably wrong, but it sounds like what you're describing is mirroring, which is a thing that children do and supposedly do as they grow older um, to learn how to like kind of navigate society. And a lot of it happens through, you know, baby times when you're looking at your parents, you mirror so you understand emotions. But as you get older, and I think it's become harder to self-regulate emotions in this very like confusing world, not because of like confusing in a like I'm not saying this like in a PC sense I mean confusing because the cues are all off and the communication cues are all off so I don't think we all learn the same um like rules right and so it is actually natural for you to look at cues in pop culture or people you admire Mm -hmm. to mirror and I think sometimes it can go to an extreme like when I when I was younger I also like felt like a loss of identity so I would similarly try to mirror to a fault like the popular girls but i think it comes from the innate instinct to mirror your tribe but when the tribe is so big you're just like searching and sometimes it can become extreme it sounds like that's what you're describing because it doesn't sound like you were doing it in a mocking way but no. i'm curious if people reacted in a way that felt like did, were people uncomfortable with it or did people call you out um I mean, yeah, I, you're always going to get that idea that somebody's going to call you out of that kind of imposter syndrome type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yes, it is this mirroring, but I still will do it to this day. Like if I see some, I'm like, oh, I really like, I really like yeah. the 
way that this person's carrying themselves, I'm going to try to do it. Or even my laugh. Hmm. My laugh has changed throughout the years. And I also don't know. But your laugh I'm is a- so distinct. I feel like I always recognize it in a dark UCB theater. <laughs> yes, but I feel like it also is kind of like uh, Neil Casey's. Huh. I feel like there's bits of Neil, uh, who hmm. was a teacher of mine and uh, and a friend and a, an amazing comedian. But I feel like, oh, I was like, I like that. And I kind of... Hmm. had it shift a little bit in your and, head oh sorry okay i have, I have a oh, question after say, you finish that i'm curious about yes totally um and i also remember there was this kid uh, of an instance of when this happened there's this kid yeah. brooks stop that i did like all of school together uh-huh. but his laugh hmm. became nelson Muntz's laugh from the simpsons Huh. Like the ha ha. Like he just started doing it. He started doing it and then it just became his actual laugh. Huh. Um, Yeah. Well, okay. This is so interesting because, and I'm trying to keep it on the micro level because you know how I am. As soon as um, you mention ideas that connect to other ideas, I'm immediately Mm -hmm. like in space and the stars. So I'm going to (laughs) rein it in from a very, very micro level. My first question hearing this is what do you hear in your head like do you have like your own you know like your subconscious voice does it change or is it like do you have a inner voice and what does that kind of sound like can you describe it so i don't really know because and this goes on to this as well is that i from a very young age used to do voices and mm-hmm. accents and stuff and i was able to like i'm i'm good at accents now because i've been doing it since i was a child mm-hmm. just emulating these things that i would hear on tv to the point where i wonder if my actual voice is my own if this is what my vocal cords are supposed to be mm-hmm. doing naturally or if they were pushed into this direction mm-hmm. What do you consider, because you keep saying this idea of, and, and you're, I'm, I, I don't know the answer. This is just to push the conversation. So none of this is meant mm-hmm. as a right or wrong. But you keep saying, or you said it a few times, this idea of like real or not, not being the true authentic. So I'm curious to you, outside of yourself, what would you define? Like, do you have examples of your life of people you think are authentic like what do you define as this like a real true self like how do you know if you've achieved it like do you do you have people in your life that you're like that's true that's real huh i guess maybe to uh i guess maybe yes and no i mean there are people there are non-spoken <laughs> social contracts huh. that we have like like what i mean and that people example. aren't necessarily going to i'll give an example lies uh-huh there is this on when somebody is lying to you uh-huh you generally know that they're lying to you yeah i'd say 80% of the time when somebody is lying to you, mm-hmm. you know that they are lying to you. And there is just this so there's this social contract that we have all agreed to that 
when somebody is telling you something, it's the truth. They are that they are being honest with us, huh. and we don't call them out unless unless we have that proof or the suspicion just eats us up so much that we're like, hmm, hmm. this, hey, I think this kind of thing. Um, which, you know, I don't adhere to that social contract a lot. Um, I don't know that that's but, a social contract, though, because especially if you're describing growing up with ADHD, that the idea of holding on to rules is pretty common in, um, I, I know I'm sure not everyone has this, but I definitely can relate. And I think it's a thing I see as a symptom of ADHD because we're trying to understand the rules that feel like they're changing to us because our literal system is changing. So the receptors change. And I think the lie thing is something that is not, I don't know, it, it sounds to me that's more of like a boundary or how to, uh, how to actually set boundaries. And we may have had a harder time developing that skill because of like our emotional regulation. Whereas most people, I guess, if someone's lying, you, if you're like, I don't know, if you're like healthy and able to discern, then a lot of people I think would just either walk away or be like, your word's not meaningful to me in a way where oh, you no, don't need I to do that. No, no, I know. But I, you're, I, I'm saying uh, that I don't know that that's so socially unacceptable, as you say. It may be that people who blow up in your face are trying to manipulate you into thinking that you're in the wrong. But Well, I, that's that's it. it mm-hmm. But people, what I'm trying to say is that people kind of would rather not deal with the confrontation. Yes, because it makes them um, feel that they, if in case there's a doubt that the person's not lying, that they're going to seem mistrustful. Uh, yeah. Well, it's the same thing as why people are afraid to be like, oh, I think that's, I think that's Carla. I think that's Carla over there. And they don't want to like go, hey, Carla, in case it's not yeah, them. Yeah. Or that thing of like, fuck, I forgot this person's name. Yeah. I've met them like five times. I forget what their name is. Instead of just going, hey, <sighs> I'm, a, I'm a bad person. I know that we've, we've talked before, but sometimes names escape me. And it's not that I don't think that you're important or anything. It's just like it fucking happens. Um, you're describing almost more truth, which I think is so interesting because – in a way, I think that everyone does wear a sort of like a social mask. And it's usually, like you said, it's like there's a level of politeness, but hopefully your mask isn't so fake that it's a different person. And it sounds like maybe the... Well, we ma- should all be wearing masks, right? <laughs> right, true. We should, all be- we should all be wearing masks, double up the mask, um, wash your hands. Double up your social masks. But but it does feel like maybe the, the, the veil between your inner self and the mask is much thinner than others and maybe what you're picking up on is other people have a a big mask um they've got that sounds like a like a like something on a dating app like i'm a thick mask looking for my thin mask my thin fan um but the 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 i guess for lack of better words the thicker mask for other people that they wear for protection or whatever you sense as they're being their true selves because they're kind of hiding their true selves. So you might feel like you're kind of like all out there and less protected. I don't know if that rings true. I'm I, and it's okay if it doesn't, I'm just like, kind of like trying to, it's interesting to me. This is super interesting. Cause I find that the more I get comfortable with my true self, like my healing, my trauma, the less I want to adhere to those social rules that don't benefit me or society. 
I'm not talking about just me, like society, right? It's liars, enabling liars to me does not benefit others except for the no. liar. So to me, that's a situation I'd rather make a liar mad than to make them feel that they're invincible and continue lying. So I feel that what you're describing is not necessarily a negative thing, but I'm, I don't know. How do you feel about what I'm saying? I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that it's a negative thing either. And when I say, am I real and the authentic self, mm. it's like, I guess it's like, what, who are you? Alan? What is the difference of somebody who's like developing uh-huh. their own thing, like their own thing and kind of going the flow of like, mm. of these of interests and stuff other than taking composites of what other people's interests are, or are mm. those even different? Are those mm. equal or are they the same? I'm manipulating your voice to kind of sound like that. Cause I, I'd say that my voice is probably lower than what it, what most people actually hear hmm. because I'm trying to cut through to be heard because hmm. I didn't feel like I was heard as a kid. Um, but those are layers of your personality that have become yes. true. Well, okay. Have you ever looked at like, what about relatives? Like, do you find similarities in the, your mannerisms? Cause I would say not that genetics necessarily are everything, but that might be, you know, like if you have a voice or something that's similar to relative, then I feel that there's more indication that it's not completely out of nowhere, you know? Yes, but <laughs> like more of maybe my female relatives because mm-hmm. I had more of a, um, mm-hmm. I had more of a, um, feminine influence uh caretakers Uh that even my my house like i it was my mom my sister even the dog and cat were Mm -hmm. female (laughs) so one day you're just like barking you're like this is not my real voice it's (laughs) (laughs) and i'm thinking that when i look back at like personality wise of those that were like close to me um were my aunt, mm. my aunt, um, my aunt Marty, my mom, and I had a stepdad for like two years mm. who recently just passed. But I, I realized that there are attributes of him that mm. I did take on that, that were, that have become a part of me. And mm. it's interesting because we, If there are bits that that you mm-hmm. like about somebody, and you take that into yourself, it is like they are, they have not passed. They're still yeah. within you, it's and then you're nice. gonna make. I, 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 I mean, it's been heard before, but it that carries on until things don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Until this is, a, it's all consumed by a black hole. You're almost describing like circumventing long-term evolution by just actively evolving like you know what i mean like you're incorporating like these filters kind of like in a, i mean let's talk computers right like instead of just going in and changing the source code you're kind of in downloading the software and the apps of the stuff you like and taking 
what you enjoy. And of course, like, you know, I could see, I'm not saying it's like foolproof. I could see like someone being like, stop doing my voice or whatever. But in the long run, your intention is to create a version of yourself that has all these positive attributes, which is honestly, like, I think a very noble intention. Whereas so many people are like, well, this is how I am. And I've always been stubborn. Therefore, I'll never stop being stubborn, which feels more yeah. like resistant to change. So maybe you're just changing so fast. It feels like you don't know who you are. I don't know. Maybe. My question yeah, to you would be, have I... you developed bad, like, okay, twofold. Have you ever changed something that you, like you liked it, so you picked it up or whatever, and then it did, and then based on the reaction of others, you then go, oh no. Like you changed how you felt about it based on the reaction of others, as opposed to just what you felt. Yeah, I'll give you an example of junior year of high school mm -hmm. I I got this like I guess my persona you could refer to it as Alan fucking Starzinski <laughs> like okay yeah why because somebody go like why did you do that I go because I'm Alan fucking Starzinski that's why like <laughs> okay. that and it had such a negative reaction with my friends mm. and I got called out by it and I was like cool I need to keep that in check mm. uh, and then that kind of rose again I almost got kicked off of my indie improv team when I was uh, when I was doing improv mm. and they sat me down and they talked to me and I was like great great okay i need to adjust how i am and i'm so fucking grateful for that did, uh, i but did you feel like am. what that sounds hmm those, those two, okay the first one sounds more like yeah kids just being like don't do this and you're like i will just surface not do this the second one sounds more like as a team and i mean it, just from the basic explanation it sounds like people who maybe like you that respect and trust you who want you to be on the team and are trying to Mm -hmm. work with you that feels less like saying like don't be yourself and more like oh um like it hurts us when you do this but we like you so maybe we can i don't know if that was the feeling but i i kind of those two feel slightly different to me because i'm guessing like in one version there your friends are ready trying to help and in another maybe they were people you're trying to get approval from right does that Yes. And I'm constantly trying to get approval. <laughs> I'm constantly trying to get approval, but also uh, not it not being like necessary for me. It's like, I don't mm -hmm. need it, mm -hmm. but I want it. I want, I want this. Like if I think about, if I think specifically about UCB, I'm like, I had already achieved this thing, but I still want it. Uh -huh. I want to have it again. I want to. Sure. That's why I would like keep auditioning for Herald teams after years after being cut. And I'm uh -huh. like, I already achieved this top thing, but I'm like, I still want it. I want daddy's kind of approval there. Uh, I'm so curious how you would do in like a sensory deprivation chamber. Have you ever done one of this? Fuck Just like no, when you're alone meditate. with nothing around to mirror off of like, well, cause you talk about not feeling yourself and I'll say, Obviously, I don't know, and I'm not a doctor, but for my basic understanding of what you're saying and also being your friend, I feel like you have a strong personality, and that is you. And it's not meant to be a prison. It's like you can change. And I think that most people have that in a way that even if you don't see it, like hopefully that makes you feel comfortable. Like 
you're not just a bunch of bones you're holding together with your thoughts. Like if you breathe and let go, even if you let go of a lap or this or that, you would still be Alan and you would still be you and you would have all the knowledge you have. But I wonder if you've ever felt like when have you ever like felt truly just like in your skin and you and you're not thinking about how you're being perceived? Like when have you felt the most, you know, like just like oh, comfortable as yourself? I'm I'm not thinking about how I'm being perceived when I'm doing stuff. Mm. Or when like I'm I think I'm the fragments social. of like having bits of other people's personalities. Have you ever just like felt like a whole you as opposed to like this is this and that puzzled pieces? Yeah, when I'm not like thinking, when I'm not con, when I'm not having like mm-hmm. contemplative thoughts and like analyzing <laughs> what we are, yeah, and I'm just existing in the day. If I'm out, if I'm out and being around mm. people and things, I, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really cognizant of what of yeah. what I am to be me. I'm just being me. It's yeah. why I. I had more mental health issues in LA than I did in New York mm. because in New York, you don't have time <laughs> to, to, <be> sad. No, <laughs> to, to essentially like live because you're constantly just surviving, mm. you know, and here you have Waiting that. For the L train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're just like, what's, what is me what's going on kind of how do you feel okay because i i know you love a dance party so now i'm curious because this is something for me when i dance i i i do get very insecure especially growing up i've gotten better now but i used to always think about like oh you know where my arms what am i doing and and i would think about that except for when i dance when i dance i'm very much like in my body i'm here and i'm present and that's when it all goes away um i know you love dance parties so i'm curious like do you do you have that experience or when you're dancing, are you thinking about like, now I will dance like this or do you like let loose and you're like here and I'm Alan. I'm never more uncomfortable than when I'm dancing. <laughs> okay. Genuinely. Okay. <laughs> it is, it is like the one thing it is like, the, love one, dance it's like parties. the, I feel like I was running well, back in the day when we were allowed to go to dance parties. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I do like them, but I'm also usually drunk or high and then when that happens, uh-huh. I something turns off. Mm. Uh, uh, when I, Ooh, I'm like, cool, when you're like, drunk or high, that's like, the most not you. But then that's the one you don't have to think that you're not being you, because it literally is altering you. It is, but it's also huh. it's breaking down like barriers that you self-imposed, and that you. Hmm and that like you can question about yourself and you know also put up new ones but <laughs> it also a lot there's this thing where it's just like i can just feel the fucking music i i don't know yeah. i can sing in front of people and i don't have a fucking problem i can talk in front of people comedy all that other stuff but like there's something about dancing that will make me feel kind of foolish and like mm. a little uh bashful and I, I know that it's something that I have to fucking get over because I'm always like, if you're scared of this thing that has literally <laughs> no repercussions to it, and if somebody's like making fun of you, like if somebody's making fun of you for being a bad dancer, it's like, fuck them. Who cares? You're just enjoying yourself and feeling this. Yeah. Uh, I It's something I, try, oh. I tried to do. I was doing these like little dance videos at the beginning of 
quarantine, like just in my, uh, just like playing a song and putting in my stories. Mm -hmm. And it was like a fun, stupid thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it, it is something mm -hmm. I'm actively trying to kind of get over. It's so interesting. I mean, I don't think that's uncommon. A lot of people, I think I like to dance because I, when I was very young, like, I think I just, me and my sister had each other. So when we were dancing, you know, kids love to dance, but we never developed that, like that awkward stage of embarrassment that you get in your teens because we were around each other. I think we skipped over that. But I, I think that natural inclination, that feeling when you're high and just feel the music, I think that is how most people are deep down. And then like the shame is built later. So it's really interesting because I wouldn't have pegged you for um, being embarrassed to dance. And but it's also not uncommon. Uh, so it's not something like you necessarily have to work on unless you want to. But I think there's nothing wrong with being bashful. It's just super interesting because I know you're very like not a shy person. <laughs> you know what I think it is, too? Mm -hmm. It is about like. Dancing with people that you don't know. If I'm with people that I know, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. I can do it. Huh. Dancing with people that I don't know, because I f don't want to feel like I'm interrupting what they're doing or burdening. And it even comes to like when you're mm. single and dating and being like, oh, I want to go dance with this person. And it feels like there is a... Mm. <sighs> it feels like you are interrupt it, the, it's a fear of rejection of like presenting gotcha. yourself and being like hey i'm dancing it's literally the most uh the most like primordial kind yeah. of like animal brain like i am presenting to you yeah do you accept kind of thing here i am there's a vulnerability to it yeah that is way deeper than anything else i think interesting because i think that <laughs> okay i just thought of something i don't know if this uh, resonates but i understand that vulnerability i now because i've ne i've tried to escape it so many times and i can't and it blows up my face i actively present it first because then i'm like hurt me now and i'll know and then my body learns but that's the only way my body can learn because i've literally i mean you know my my 20s stories which we won't get into now but whenever i've tried to mask any truth it just blows up generally in terms of feelings but it's interesting you say that because um, the idea of taking on characteristics of other people, I think we all do, but we don't always assign them to people. Like, I'm sure if I broke it down, I could find, oh, this is from this. But I don't think of it that way, like that I'm putting on little armors. But if you actively remember, like, this I took from my friend Steve, and this is blah, blah, blah. Then when you present, in a way, you're kind of like wearing other people's ar as your armor. So that if you get rejected, is there feeling that you're like not totally being rejected because you're like well they rejected I, steve's laugh and they rejected anna's joke and they rejected blah blah, blah you know does that mean a hundred percent a hundred percent because it well it wasn't it's that same mentality of not of people not giving something their all mm. because if they gave it their all and they failed then they're a failure and if they didn't give it their all and they failed it's not their fault because they didn't mm. give it their all where I just, I've come to this place of being like, you gotta, you gotta give all of it because if you fail, then you've got a fucking great gift yes. of, of learning from that. Yes. 
I love that because that literally is how I mean, it's funny that we think all these other industries are exempt from it. But then we look at athletes and we're just like, yeah, like nobody, even the best player, like it's impossible to never lose. And if actually if you've never lost a game, we you probably everyone would know you're not a good player because either you don't have enough experience or you've only ever played people, you know, you can beat. But if you always Floyd Mayweather. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but i mean like and i guess that's a little different too with individual sports but i'm talking about like even like basketball or whatever you can be so good but it's the idea to actually become better is to play people who are on par with you and then if you lose to keep training and then beat them because that's a sign of progress yeah but if you never lose and you just are just repeating your first game over and over right so i i love that because that's how i view um growth as well like not just in like comedy and you know but everything like breakups whatever i think of it as like instead of being sad i process the feeling in my body and i go okay so now my body knows what this feels like so now that won't ever happen again because i've learned and now i know like how to beat this level um i don't know it's very interesting uh yeah, you're really like lighting up different parts of my brain, and I'm like, I don't know if any of what I'm saying makes sense because I'm I'm having lots of thoughts. <laughs> same, same here. I'm like, does uh, have we have we have we gone linear or has this yeah. gone all Jeremy Bearer No, it makes sense. Well, okay, I I really like this confession. I have a, a fun game I wanted to end on, but I want to give you a chance to um, any final thoughts regarding the confession, if if you have anything to add, but I feel like we've covered so much. It's super interesting. I think a lot of people will relate to parts of it for sure. Well, here's, here's like another thing that I wanted to bring up Mm -hmm. that I almost presented as the confession, but I also think that it maybe ties in to this as well of being like, I, I had a thing that I talked to Will Hines had like brought this up and I go, and I go, huh, that's interesting. I had the same thought when I was a kid, and maybe others did. Like, film and TV teach, and books teach us all, like, you're special. You're an individual. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you take that a little bit too far. And I had this thing that I could only dub as chrono-narcissism, hmm. where I would think that people would come into my life hmm. from the future to push me in different directions like as a kid being like oh saying this like hey you should you should pick up the guitar being like oh yeah i should what if this person Mm. was saying this so because me learning the guitar is going to save the world in the future i'd never learned the guitar but that's just an example this ties in so well to the game that i'm really excited for us to get to but i i want to respond to that i think that how old were you when you thought this? Like, were you young or older? Like 13, 14. I also, uh-huh. like, wait. What I was waiting for puberty because I thought I'm going to be, this is when mm. mutants get their power. I'm going to be a fucking X-Men <laughs> kind of thing. Okay. Uh, well, legitimately, if, if somebody wanted to kidnap me, all they would have to do <sighs> is be like, I'm here to train you Oh God. For, to save the <laughs> world. I'm kidding. I would have been like, fuck it's happening Ah. it's happening wow well it's interesting because i I think at that age it is um you're making sense of the world i would say if you're like in your 20s or 30s and still thinking that in a way that's distracting from relationships (laughs) that like it's fun to have an imagination but that's where you know we have our outlets but if you're like you know fucking up at work or whatever because you're like i'm a mutant then i would be concerned but 
I think as a teenager, like we get confused because we think we hear as an adult like this is crazy, but it's actually not crazy to think that as a kid. Like you said, so many people have had things like that. I've had things when I was really young. I thought I was like a prophet, like and I and I saw the beginning of the universe as this big red ball that talked to me. It's very normal because we are trying to fill in the big questions that adults don't know with our own answers. That being said, I think this is super interesting because um, I (laughs) literally, I'm just going to give this one away because, okay, my, actually, no, I don't want, it's literally what you described is very directly tied into one of (laughs) these questions for the game. So I kind of want to tell you it. Okay. The game is kind of silly. It's because we talked about this on Clubhouse, but you used to coach me in improv. And so this, and then mm-hmm. I also write a lot of crazy thoughts in my iPhone notes as, and then the other day we were talking on Clubhouse and um, you were like, what are you talking about, Teresa? So I realized like what I always have had an issue is with like thinking micro of relaying thoughts to people because I quickly get too big. So I wanted to, this is called coach my notes. And I was going to read you like a line from different iPhone notes of like my bonkers uh-huh. thoughts I write to myself and see if you can like explain them in a way that makes sense. But this one I'll just do as an example. Cause it basically, you already described it. Um, this one I wrote in September 24th, 2020, it says act in the present with everything, you know, to be true about the past with everything you want to be true about the future. And it's kind of the flip side of what you were describing of chrono narcissism. But instead, in my version, I'm the time traveler who came back and I get to make the future the version I want. And so it's like mm. anytime I want, like if there's a war or whatever, and I'm like, I can't be the hero. But I'm like, well, what if I was sent from the future to make sure this war doesn't happen? So then I always do the thing that I think is the most extreme, but will get me and the world I live in where I want it to go, which is similar to what you're talking about so i don't know there might yeah. I mean, there might be something to that not the physical reality of that but the the, th- the idea that that uh, thought is in our head genetically like there might be something to that evolutionarily there was this tv show i remember mm-hmm. about uh, like a 30 something year old guy who went back into his 17 like 16 year old body and he was the like, Efron I got to live everything. Huh? That is a Zac Efron movie. <laughs> but this was a TV show before okay. the Zac Efron movie. Uh-huh. It did not last. It lasted a season. If that, maybe even half a season. But I remember really liking it. Yeah. And, and thinking about, oh, man, if I had that. And I think now, like, oh, man, if I had that, please. Just in high school, I... I, the confidence that one would have. But where know? do you learn your confidence, right? It's from those experiences. I think that's the that's the loop. But if you think about that now as an adult, knowing what you would go back and do differently and all the times you weren't confident or whatever, and apply that to now and imagine you did come back, it works the same way. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You start rewarding like yourself over time. As a kid, it's quite hard because you'll probably find yourself embarrassed much more. But as an adult, you probably can handle embarrassment more. Oh, I embarrassment. I I realized something, <laughs> and this was um, this was when I with dating mm-hmm. that the only person that can make you feel embarrassed is you. Mm-hmm. You're and, and it it was like a thing that I then took into teaching with improv. 
mm-hmm. is that you're the only person that can make you feel ashamed and embarrassed and uh, afraid. Others can try to influence those things, yeah. but you have complete control over True. what your emotions and reactions are to it. I feel like you literally, I, I don't know if you're psychic, but you've already described like two of my notes. Okay, let me, let's just keep going because I feel like you're just going to nail these. I am. I you're am really good at this. Okay. January came from the future. To yes, tell you came me from that. the future. January 20th, uh, 2021. Success is knowing the world will deliver all consequences for your actions. Does this make that sense? Seems first more of all? Ominous. Like what a weird success hmm. is. Yeah, the it's supposed to sound ominous, but I'm curious if you can decipher it back to me. Or how would you okay, how would you explain I there's a whole I I could explain this to you, but I'm curious what it means to you. The future uh success is repeat it again. Success is knowing the world will deliver all consequences for your actions. Success is the world. But you're onto something. It does sound ominous. Why does it sound ominous? Because oh, because of the word consequences. Yeah. So I, because mm-hmm. you don't know, you do not associate mm-hmm. consequences with a positive thing because nobody, because nobody has your entire life. Like, yeah. Well, here are the consequences. Like, well, you ate too much food, and the consequences for that are that you have a tummy ache. But nobody's yeah. like, you worked really hard. And the consequences for that were you got an A on the test. Yeah. Like, it's never presented as a good thing when it very much can be. Yeah, I like that. That is kind of where I was coming from is the idea that justice isn't um, something I need to serve others, but also something that I need to serve myself. So if you're always acting where you're not taking too much, you're literally you get what you deserve. That sounds like it's bad. That's what people say. But if you're get, doing everything that you can to get the best result and then trusting at some point the world will give you those results, that's where I mean because then the word consequence doesn't scare me because I'm like, okay, maybe something I did that deserves a bad consequence will come my way, but even more so all the good stuff will come in a way that makes me feel very safe thinking about everything as like, I'm not going to skim or cheat at all because it'll all come back. But yeah, you kind of, you caught to the right, uh, you caught the tone right. Cause I, I was trying to uh, present it that way. Like we think too much of like just trying to win more, but then forgetting that like, if you're cheating, it's coming back around. Um, yeah. I'm okay. even just thinking mm. of like consequences always used as a warning. If you're doing something bad. Yeah, and people, but when people like think about that as a warning, people are like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna, mm. uh, I'm gonna fuck up, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna get penalized for it." It's just like kind of like, don't be a dick. Yeah, I remember thinking, uh, a friend of mine's sister liked me, and I liked her too, mm-hmm. and I didn't pursue it because I was like, "Oh, that's my friend's sister. I don't want to screw it up," and then I thought. Later, I was like, after the time had passed for it, I fucked up. (laughs) I just had to not be a dick and it would have been fine. Mm. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh no, I don't want to ruin this friendship with my, 
uh, with my friend with my love and my kindness and my good intention no i know what you mean because we're taught yeah. these things like if it goes bad but then you're like then don't go bad <laughs> then don't let it go bad yeah. so just don't be a fucking don't be a prick don't cheat on somebody just yeah. be a decent human being kind of thing this kind of ties into the next one. Oh, i'll do two more okay february this is actually pretty recent from february 26th if you have nothing then all you have is yourself then you have nothing to lose. If you can never lose yourself, then you have everything. Then you are everything. Was this pulled out of a fortune cookie? <laughs> wow, that's racist, Alan. Um, no, I'm that's just what, kidding. That was the intention. That did go through kidding. my head. I go, if I say this, is that going to be? No, no, no. Like, it's, no, it just does sound like that. It is. I uh, do very... like the wordplay, but yeah, so... First of all, does it make sense? Because it makes sense to me. This, like, you're now my litmus test. But like, if I started an if you improv scene like this, I would get kicked off the stage. <laughs> if you started, the, I just think about how, oddly enough, I used to. This kind of ties into what we talked about earlier, but of putting those shells on, because mm. I would improvise as how I would see other people improvise. Because mm. if I did bad, that exact thing. Huh. It was like, oh, well, it wasn't me. That was, that was John Gabris. That was me being John Gabris. Like, if it, oh, that wasn't me. That was me being Gilazari kind of uh -huh, thing. Uh -huh. um, but so it, it's, if you have nothing to lose. If you have nothing, then all you have is yourself. Then you have nothing to have lose. No Let's break it down. Okay. Oh, if you have nothing. Then all, all you, you have, have is yourself. yourself. If you have nothing to lose. Then you can never lose yourself. Then you have you everything. Nothing. Then you are everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's certainly... I'd have to, I'd have to see it written down. <laughs> no, this I is think. good. This is when I realize that some thoughts are better left in my iPhone notes. <laughs> Um, no, no, no. The, the way I, I, I feel about it is that I feel like I'm often get abandonment issues and feel like scared of being completely oh, yeah. alone and not just al like I've been alone at home many times and I don't feel alone. Sometimes though you're triggered and you're whether you're around people or not, you just feel alone. Like you're like, I'm falling in a bottomless hole and I'll never, nobody ever will get close enough to really the true me. And that feeling is really scary. It's a feeling that it's probably, you know, past wounds. But what it feels like to me is like, I have nothing. I'll never have anything. And so that kind of came out of, this kind of came out of that me going, if that's true, like improv, if that's true, what else is true? If I have nothing, then the only thing I have is me. But then if I, and then I was like, if I am nothing, because people say, you're you're everything. But I'm like, if I'm nothing, then I also can't lose myself. So that's how I talk myself out of this hole. It's like, if I truly am nothing, I have nothing, and I'm the worst or whatever, then I also have nothing left to lose, including myself. And people are afraid of losing themselves. But then I came back around and said, well, that also means I have everything because I'm here. <laughs> so, Well, I think that there is... Nothing is nothing. It can't be something. You know? Because the nothing is the absence of some, something. Yes, but do you... Yeah. But you would okay. say, like, if I have nothing, I... If I have nothing, I... It's... I'll never have nothing when I still have myself. 
That's true, but how, I couldn't get there at first because the fear of being alone was so overwhelming. So I had to talk myself backwards into realizing that, like, I'll never be alone as long as there's an I. Yes. And I think that condenses it around. Hmm. I can never be nothing when to me I am everything. Oh, that's better. Yeah, see, this is why you're the coach. Okay, here's the final one. It's a little bit... I, I, uh -huh. I will I will say that this is another this is another note that I mm. would give an improv which was when people were like afraid to look stupid on stage mm. I would say why because yeah. you don't want to look foolish that's the whole fun you of are comedy doing, <laughs> yeah you're doing improv you are fools yeah, and true. a fool that is afraid to be foolish is nothing yeah true I like that. Okay, this one applies. We'll wrap it up with this final one. And I guess see if you this makes sense to you. If not, how, how would you yes and it to make sense? This is from December 16, 2020. If I learned everything, I would forget it just to learn it again. If I learned everything, I would forget it just to just learn, to it learn every, mm -hmm. everything again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the journey the journey is far more desirable than, than the destination. It is not how, where you go, but it is how you get there. It's like why we watch movies. Yeah, true. You know, you, if, you go into, if you go into a specific kind of genre of something, mm -hmm. if you go into like an action movie, which I love adventure movies, I know how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. the, the good guy's going to persevere. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some sort of, there's going to be this conclusion. It's going to make you feel whole. Mm -hmm. What I'm interested in is how is it going to happen? When yeah. is it going to happen? Can you make me forget mm. that is that that ending is going to happen? And if you do that, then boom, we're great. We're gold. We're... <laughs> I like that. Think about it as a movie because I think about this as life, but then I realize like, there's no reason why I can't trust that my life will also wrap up nicely like in the movies and if i know that for sure even if i don't know how it's gonna happen it does make me feel a little calmer <laughs> yeah i mean wrap up nicely what does that mean that you're old and somebody's wiping your ass for you kind of thing well i think it means that all of the patterns or the loose ends that i've built for myself or i've left hanging mm -hmm. will be closed before i will see them closed at some point in a way that feels fulfilling. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, fulfillment. And that there's happiness in mm -hmm. your life, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's all. That's, again, this is another improv note that I <laughs> had heard. Ian Roberts said it in a workshop. He goes, your characters and your scenes are much like who we are in life. Uh -huh. We are here to pursue pleasure and avoid mm. pain mm -hmm. you know that is a that's like an animal instinct pursue pleasure avoid pain mm -hmm. and i really try to take that to heart of like i want to pursue my own pleasure and avoid causing pain mm -hmm. to myself and others yeah. i want to i want to give us i want to pursue pleasure for myself and for those around me and avoid pain for myself and those around me. 
That's a good philosophy. Um, I feel like, look, I, I'm no doctor, but I feel like you're real, Alan. I mean, this conversation got way more real than a lot of conversations I have with people who think they're real. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I think you're real, but I... Oh, good. Okay, so, you know, in case, you know, hopefully I tip that scale over. Um, but I'm really glad you shared that. This was such an interesting conversation, and I really like how we got there sort of through just, like, hearing your thoughts, which is, to me, the most authentic way to have a conversation. So there, um, Alan, where can people follow you? And uh, if there's anything you want to plug or have people check out, can you let us know? Uh, you could follow me uh, at, at Alan Starzynski on all platforms. I know, crazy. Nobody wow, else wow, picked wow. it up, huh? <laughs> um, I, I mean, this will be released before this happens, but I'm currently not allowed to tweet okay. because I cyberbullied Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't have time to get into that story, but I'm sure I'm sure you have material about it. So go follow Alan so you can hear more about that story. Um, And you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod and follow me at Larissa T on Twitter and Instagram. Bye.